Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 232. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Bang, not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas, southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. Uh, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and each of on our own spiritual journey, we feel that all men are leaders, leaders of your family, leaders at work, leaders in your church and community, but sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged, and that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, our website, man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com, we're glad you're joining us, so we don't exactly hide, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, we are on the No Church Answers Tour, and we're glad you've joined us. My name is Bill Cox. I'm the uh, director and the host of Man Up. I'm basically a contractor and a writer, and we have a world-class policy writer, professional gambler. He is the show producer, Mr. Steve Titch. All right, Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. Hello, everybody. Steve. A, a attorney and former prosecutor. We call him the judge. Michael Cropper, corporate trainer, and kind of the group theologian. We call him the Professor Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Robert. Everybody. Logistics, hospitality, but (laughs) enthusiastic. (laughs) We call him the evangelist. Earl Lloyd is here. Hey, Earl. Earl, Earl. yep, yep, yep. yep. (laughs) And my name is Bill Cox, and we use various publications for this podcast. We've been in The Conquerors, The Heroes of Faith, A Study of Judges by Baptist Way Press. It's been outstanding. And with that, I want to go ahead and uh, get an overview of this particular lesson and start off with uh, our producer, Steve Titch. Yes, thanks, Bill. Uh, I've been enjoying this study of judges. We're seeing so many different types of examples of, of leadership, and this this last few weeks we've been doing Gideon and it's an interesting story he has and we're coming to the end of his story and it is kind of sad in a way uh why do so many good leaders go wrong we see it in business and families we see it in churches um and they start out really well. The, the cause is righteous. They're with God. And somewhere along the line, it becomes all about them. And we see this happen here. And it just brings to mind, to go into the pop culture again, uh, a line from the movie The Dark Knight. Is it really the case? Do we either die a hero or live long enough to see ourselves become the villain? <laughs> Interesting. Professor Koshu. So even from business and everywhere else, we see this almost constantly. And it is in in the podcast Christianity Today produces called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. They use the statement that there's a group of Christian leaders, and this exists not only in Christian leaders, but all 
over the place. Business, media, we're recording this, and if you're listening to it years later, because I know people do go back and listen to ours years later, this is December 2021. The Cuomo brothers, uh, Chris Cuomo is currently suspended indefinitely from his show because of some stuff he was doing in relation to his brother Andrew when he had all of his problems. And it's a group of people where their charisma has outpaced their character as they've gone through. And looking at this, that's, I think, what we have to think about and how, like Steve mentioned and the Bible mentions, how Satan finds ways to exploit that as we go through. Interesting. Uh, Erloid. It's often said, whatever goes up must come down. And I like I always say I like to take these lessons and I like to apply them to my own life. And uh, I've been there. I've been there. Where and when I say come down, it's sad when God has to bring you back down. Very interesting what Robert Koshy said. It seems like the devil himself kind of aids you in reference to going up. I mean, he he pom 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 city because he just he's just waiting to just kind of carve you up as uh he waiting on your fall. Hmm. Michael Cropper. Yeah, I was thinking, Steve talked about this uh, very clearly. We we see some disappointing things happen at the end of Gideon, uh, folks. Uh, Gideon is a, is, is a great man. To me, he's just phenomenal. God speaks to him, comes to him. He obeys God. He's loyal to him. He leads his army and delivers Israel from the Midianites, a very oppressive, uh, mean people. Um, then, after everything is said and done, he is asked to be king for Israel, and he turns it down. And um, he decides he wants to be somewhat like a priest. But my 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 looking at the end of this, when you Bill reads the scripture, you'll see that he uh, he has too much time on his hands. In fact, that to me is a practical view of this thing. We've talked about that before. King David sinned when he had too much time on his hand, right? An idle mind is the devil, devil's workshop. But uh, the point is, is, is the practical part of this to me is, is stay busy. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll address more of that, I'm sure, when, when you read the scripture, Bill. Yes, uh, at this point in time, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. This is uh, from Judges 18 through 34. Then he said to Zeba and Zamuna, where are the men who you killed at Tabor? They answered, as you are, so were they. Every one of them resembled the son of a king. And he said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, if you had saved them alive, I would not kill you. So he said to Jether, his firstborn, rise and kill them. But the young man did not draw his sword. For he was afraid, because he was still a young man. Then Zeba and Zalmunna said, Rise yourself and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zalmunna, and he took the crescent ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us. You and your sons and your grandsons also, for you have saved us from the hands of the Midians. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil, 
for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a cloak, and every man threw in it the earring of a spoil. And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. Beside the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian, and besides the collars that were around the necks of the camel, and Gideon made an ephod of it and put it on the city of Ophrah. And all Israel poured after it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel, and they raised their heads no more. And the land had 40 years in the days of Gideon. Jeroboam, the son of Joash, went and lived in his own house. Now Gideon had 70 sons, his own offsprings, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, and he called his name Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father at Oprah and Abazite. As soon as Gideon died, the people of Israel turned again and whored after the Baals and male Baal Bereth their God. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on their side. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to just uh, bring up on this. Um, it's probably better to be a has-been than a never was. Hmm. Uh, when, when we go into this. Um, and I was kind of looking at this from um, decline. And as a man gets older, decline is inevitable. And oftentimes, the said man is the last one to realize it. As we also get older, it's a sense of urgency that we have that maybe we had this vision of something to finish. And so we speed up what is, we think the timeline is to fit in our lifetime. Whereas we actually may just be a spoke and a wheel that is supposed to continue. That, I think, is one reason why a lot of times you don't see a smooth transition. But I just wanted to throw that out there, fellas. Steve Titch. That makes a certain degree of sense, and so does the David analogy you did, except for one thing. This begins to happen at the peak of Gideon's power or moment. It, it, isn't, it isn't that everything has happened and he's gone back. He's won a big victory over the Midianites, drove them out. Uh, now, we talked last week, and I, we argued, you can go back to that podcast, we won't rehash it, but we had a discussion over if, if Gideon had overstepped the bounds by uh, massacring the men of, of Peniel. But here, so, so here clearly he does something that I think we can all agree is problematic. And that's melting down the gold earrings to, build, to, to create this ephod. And, and if you're not familiar, an ephod, you've probably seen them in those old biblical Cecil B. DeMille movies. They're, they kind of are a ceremonial apron or poncho. Um, 
it went over the priest's head. It really didn't have sleeves, but kind of billowed out on the shoulders. And it, it draped down in front and draped down the back. It's usually white. And then there was some kind of ornament on it. Um, this is made out of gold. And I think it's also very pointed that Gideon has his men throw in these gold, they throw in the golden earrings from their loot, from their booty, which to is got to be a direct reference to the book of Exodus. It's a when tax. the Israelites it's a tribute. When it's the Israel right. but the Israelites yep. throw the earrings in to make the golden calf. Golden calf, yep. And so he's my my he's doing this not not after going back and being in retirement for for several years. He is suddenly making this shift from God has granted this victory to I have granted this victory. Well, let's, it, let, let's it, go back even before that. Let's go back before that. He stopped consulting with God. Remember, you go back to Judges around 7, the 7th chapter, around the 15th verse. Remember uh, when he had heard about the dream, when they was on their way uh, to the, uh, the Midianite camp, and he had heard about the dream, he immediately fell down to pray. It says in Judges 7, 15, he, he knelt down to pray. So when he caught these two guys, instead of him, again, consulting with the Lord, like Steve's to say, he he I mean he he'd start getting cocky then. I mean it was he would pop I mean everything and, and that's how it is with us. As long as things going good for us, we start to more or less think it's us and we forget about where we came from. So to build speech, let's not forget where we came from. It no matters, you know, I know in, in reference to the decline part, yeah, but let's not forget from which we are. Well, and, and he assumed priestly duties, and he wasn't called to that. Amen. And None this of goes the, back to what yeah, we were talking yeah, about several weeks yeah. ago about, you know, where are the Levites? Yeah, the, the Levites <laughs> are the ones who are supposed to be doing that, not him. And by the way, I, I ran some quick numbers based on today because I'm kind of a finance guy and for fun. So that's like a $1.2 million U.S. dollars based on today's price of gold vestment he's running around wearing. Amen. Yeah, one, one, one point, yeah 1.1, 1.2, that's what he Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. That's a, lot, that's a lot of gold. And then when, you, when we see that much, when we again, we see that much money, boom, our head gets big, man. It, I, it, I, it's a hubris. I think it's a hubris that exists. And I, and I think this really, it, it does come back to a man's nature. And it comes down to hubris, plain and simple, where it's, we don't need God, we don't need this, because look what I've accomplished. Look, look at David. He started off, I mean, how he, he started off with God, and he consulted with God, and as things got good, look at Samson, as things got good, and even go back to the dialogue that, uh, that uh, was it Isaac, that had the back and forth relationship with, with the mm -hmm. Lord, how he talked to God every day, and then when things yeah. got good, they we... we and us as humans, I don't know if you've been through this, but there's times in my own life where things got good, and I actually just took off on my own. So <laughs> let us not uh, let us not get too prideful to think that uh, we can't be a Gideon. No, I, well, I, I think I, yes, I've got <laughs> a little yeah, different. I always have something a little different, right? I I, I analyze it a little <laughs> different. That lawyer's but, uh, mind. I'm looking here. I think I think Gideon had a desire to be a priest. And I think it goes back, and I think you guys are hitting on that, because we see that when he takes Zeba, Zeba and Zalmunna, he says, fall on us and kill us. 
And immediately he took the crescent ornaments from the camel's neck that they rode on. This is before they ever confront him to be a king. So in his mind, he knew what he wanted to do with those ornaments. The ornaments more than likely gold, especially if the camels are the king's right. And 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 I I think uh, and and then there's a second motive to me that falls in here. And uh, why why did he create the ephod? I think there was a tremendous jealousy between his tribe, Manasseh, and Ephraim. At that time, the tabernacle of Moses was in the land of Ephraim, the ones who jumped all over him when he didn't call mm-hmm. them to fight with him in the battle. He called Zebulon, Naphtali, and uh, I believe Asher. Anyway, yeah. and he left out Ephraim. Well, they were pursuing the Midianites, and they had already he had already killed a bunch of them. Three hundred already three hundred he and three hundred of his men had already killed a bunch of them, and they saw that they needed to be cut off in front of them. They weren't catching up with them. And this is just I'm, I'm theorizing because I'm looking at the reason he called the the tribe of Ephraim to go ahead into the valley and cut off the water, mm-hmm. right? So he called them. And Ephraim went and cut off all the uh, the Midianites and drove them up to the east, to the eastern lands where the other group came from. And and then they came and confronted him and say, why did you do this? Why did you wait to call us until you needed us? Why couldn't we be part? Well, there is a tremendous jealousy between brothers. Okay? And right now, again, Ephraim has the tabernacle of Moses in their land. And, and I think and again, this is just theory. I, I can't show that in Scripture. Yeah, I, I, this is I'm going to try to back you up on, yeah, this, on, yeah, on one other yeah, thought. Yeah, but, I think he's he has a fear that he needs to create something to keep his people in the and, land and with I'll, him. I'll right? tell you See? why. Because this goes yes. by quickly, and you kind of it looks more like a whole revenge thing. But all of Gideon's brothers have been killed. His, his whole family support system is gone. And this is something you talk about a lot, Bill. Uh, whatever. And, and he was the you youngest, think his whole apparently. Family was taken, I think he was, was the youngest of that family, yeah. from, from what yeah. we can tell. Yeah. And his Now, he, he takes revenge, but he could be feeling also very vulnerable at this point. Yes. And, you know, oh, he's, well, got, he's got this that. tribe, and he wants to do something. And again, so we have... We have a, we have not only the pride, we have a little maybe a little insecurity coming in yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I yeah. do have uh, one thing that made me kind of scratch my head about this text is if you can recall when he went back to Selkoth and Peniel after he got Zebulun and Zubalin, he just thrashed those because they didn't they thought that you know you wasn't going to catch them <laughs> and they he was on a wild goose chase. But why did he tell his son to kill him in th- instead of him just killing him right off the bat? That that what made me scratch my head. How come he just what? wasn't so how he thrashed them? But when he got to killing Zeba and uh, and Zulam, he uh he he delegated somebody else to kill him, and then well, King, they had to tell him, "If you man enough, just kill us yourself." Step David, up and be King, a warrior. King David King David often <laughs> delegated the hatchet to Benaiah, one of the top thirty. If you'll go back and read this, he often, he had Benaiah go into the temple and kill uh, Joab, who was hanging on the horns of the altar. So a king often delegated the killing to one of his... Is uh, there any, I'm I'm looking at at Robert, (laughs) is there any takeaway, you know, scripturally from the fact (laughs) that that the the young man does not, you know, he, he, he does not 
want to follow this particular scripture says he was afraid yeah there's there's that but, but leadership wise there is Every leader has their hat, hatchet man. Mm-hmm. In the military, they call it a dog robber. Yeah, well, that, and it's yeah, the yeah. guy that it's the guy who it's the chief of staff, mm-hmm. who basically the leader has to present a certain image, and so you have your your hatchet man come in and do the job. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we're well, ready. America jail. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no but, one but, but that but that comes from but that it 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 it, it is a valid leadership. Because it puts the leader above that petty That's nonsense correct. stuff That's going correct. on. That's correct. It separates and him, doesn't it? It separates him up. But pretty much that. every... And bad leaders are the worst at it. Good leaders will re- recognize when they need to step in and perform the role themselves. You know, they may delegate down, go fire that director. I don't want to deal with that. But when it comes to a certain level, they'll deal with it themselves. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break. This is Man Up. Podcast number 232. We'll be right back. This is Bill Cox, director of Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Thanking you, our listeners, for making us one of the fastest growing podcasts in the Christian space. We are proud to announce that the regular guys have earned a video slot on Preach the Word TV Network, a Christian video streaming application with more than 50 million downloads worldwide. To finance our video production, we have launched a GoFundMe page to raise funds for our studio space and production team. Our program will be available on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. It will also air locally in Atlanta on Saturday mornings on WYGA channel 16.5. To make a tax-deductible contribution and learn more details please look us up on gofundme.com under man up spiritual oasis for men or donate directly through paypal at donate at manupmedia.org thank you so much for your support and now back to the fellas of man up and welcome back everybody this is man up spiritual oasis for men podcast number 232 this is the no church answers tour this is the podcast version and we are talking about Gideon being a victim of his own success. And when we're talking about this particular lesson, it just kind of reminds me, of course, my farming background, I kind of look at the animal instincts uh, of, of this kind of thing. And basically, in the life cycle of an animal, uh, say you're going to change the bloodline, and so you have a bunch of cows, and you will bring in a new bull. And that bull, for the first year or so, is just a bull. Uh, <clears throat> but then he becomes a breeder. And before you get take that bull out of there, oftentimes, as it ages, you will put a young bull in there to learn the ropes from the older bull. thing about it is, the old bull can still dominate the young bull for a while. And then the next phase comes where the young bull is getting is getting mature and can overrun the older bull. And then the older bull wins by intimidation. And then ultimately, the young bull is no longer scared of him. So, okay? so you're saying... That's the life cycle. And I'm, what I'm saying about Gideon is this. 
he had a sweet spot. He had a great run. He understands he's in decline. And I absolutely agree with Steve. He was feeling alone. And I think about this particular incident. He went in and had sons. Okay, sons, stand up and slay these guys. And that they were young men. Oh, we're not ready to do it. Well, you're not ready yet. Had, not yet, had, but, <laughs> you, but you know what I'm saying. But then he, and you're not. And so I see him in frustration, okay. just going, okay. Not that he wanted to do it necessarily. He knew they needed to be killed. His sons wouldn't do it. I think out of frustration, he slayed them rather than as. Oh, no, that was pure off. revenge. It wasn't frustration. He did it because well, he, he wanted was, to kill them. He was, but, yeah, but he was. <laughs> Frustrated at his, at his, that his son wouldn't do it. It was one son. Or one son wouldn't do it. Um, wouldn't do it. You know, you're trying to hand it off. You know, well, you're trying to hand it off, but at the same time, you're also recognizing it has to be done and maybe it's setting up for later. Now, what I find interesting is he refuses to lead at least this part of Israel, but he goes and makes an ephod. And then sets it up as a shrine. <laughs> I, I, I I find, and and I think maybe this is the false humility, and and I think that's what you see. Mark Driscoll, and yes, I will call out his name. He's in a church in Phoenix. If you go to his church and you happen to stumble upon our podcast, <laughs> email me. I'll tell you why you should not be a member of his church. <laughs> he he is bullying. Misogynist. His theology is bad. His theory of men's ministry is bad. He is so disqualified to be a leader of a church that it's not even funny. He he posts sermon prep is hard from his pool, and he has a congregation that is mainly lower class. I Dude, wish you wouldn't hold back. I you know, you know I mean right. seriously. See how you but, really feel. but he has this false humility about him. That I'm doing all this for the kingdom, and it's all about me. And and if you listen to the Rise and Fall of March Hill podcast, and I plug it a lot, and I, I'm not one that likes to plug other podcasts, but because you know, I like you listening to our podcast. But it it gives you stories about things like he published a book, but his church spent 1.2 million dollars to hire a firm that went into New York City to bought up all the copies of the book. So his, so his book would be on the New, New York, York Times best, bestseller best list. list. But he got all the profits from it. People okay, reported. Uh, was the guy named was guy Gideon? Gideon? No, but, 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 where's it come back? To circle back. Okay. To circle, circle back. back. Yeah, yeah. To circle back. It's a false humility thing. <laughs> and, right. and that's where you really get these leaders, where you get into serious trouble with it. Because they don't have, they put forth a front of, I'm humble as a, and a servant for God here. And I, I think that's where Gideon started. And then when he realized, oh, it's over. Because remember, what was one of the key things about the judges? They were appointed for a very specific task. Every judge was for a very specific, go out, take care of Midian, and your time is over. Like, we never really hear about Deborah after she mm-hmm. takes care of her group. You, you know, it, it's and I, well. This he kind of. Well, I'm gonna, but I, I think he wants to, to stay go down. into. There's something. There's a lot of parallels here because 
he goes back and and then then come the wives and the concubines and then come as you're saying the <laughs> sitting around doing nothing, nothing and you know the the <laughs> That the, could the get you a lot of I, I, think, <laughs> I think he picked up the concubines while he had idle yeah. hands after all this. It says he had a lot of wives. And uh, it, I, I think that's when he, he had too much time and on his hands. And that's new. Is this, yeah, yeah. Can you, is, is this the first time we encounter a, a major biblical figure who starts acquiring wives? Uh, Jacob Jacob had a couple, yeah, but well, well, but that was more Jacob. Uh, that Abraham did that. too. Remember <laughs> after his yes, but after had, Sarah but died, had Sarah and Hagar. But he after had Sarah died, the mother of the Midianites. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. right. He right. married another woman after uh, Sarah died, right. and but she was a mother. But, 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 but no, no, yeah, there but was not. This Jacob, we're talking Jacob had two. Um, he had, it, uh, Leah Rebecca and, and Leah. Rebecca. He had now here we had yeah. he, has, he had seventy sons and many wives so, and a concubine and a con- and at but, least but one. This, oh, many concubines. But, That's right. just one but, but this is the <laughs> but this everywhere. is the first time we hear about outside of Jacob having two wives, which mm-hmm. that was kind of. That was kind of that was that whole thing was weird. So we'll just leave that at that because he basically got tricked into marrying one, and then he agreed to stick around. And Laban, the the dad, was pretty slick on that whole deal. But but yeah, this is actually the first time we see this. And boy, does it come back in spades on multiple occasions. Because we see it in Samson, we see it in David, and then the pinnacle of it, of course, is Solomon. Um, I agree. I agree. So, you, you Earl. Know. Oh, go ahead. Yes, no, well, Earl. I mean, uh, again, the downfall just continues. But as now I'm going to go back to what Steve, I believe, Rob make, mentioned of making the ephod, the, the deal in reference to him going to his hometown and placing that ephod in his in his hometown for people to to worship it. That was to me. That was the icing on the cake. That was that 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 was that was uh uh. Uh, sign sealed and delivered for uh, that, uh, that's uh, the guy. We got a, we got a cross that, on top of our church. <laughs> yeah, but 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 the you, ephod, you have to be careful. The the, what, the equivalent to compare? me, the equivalent to me is the guy that donates fifty million dollars, and I love Tillman Fertitta because Tillman Fertitta gave tons of money to my school to support my program, but he did not do it anonymously. Our basketball center exactly. is named the Fertitta Center, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. but that's but it's right. the nice. but it's that same thought. It's not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it, and I'm going it, to. It, it's my name has to be on it. Wow, wow. You know, I, kind I of do thing. not. I do not think Gideon created the effort of worship. I think he created much like the cross we have on top of our church. As but a the, the Bible, yes. And what happens? You guys know as this. a symbol that represents what though. <laughs> As it uh, represents God, remember but, he doesn't but, want his people. Wait, 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 just, okay. just remember, 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 remember the veil that he, he doesn't that want he, his that, people that, to go to Ephraim to Shiloh, the tabernacle mm-hmm. of Moses. He wants them to focus on God, where he is, and he likes being a priest and talking with God. So there's a mix of both here, and I think he's trying to get just the people to focus I, on God. But really, and anything we can create can become a stumbling block and trap to people. If it is an image, this is well. That's the right? thing. But to, he, a, to a to a to I, I a Hebrew, that was you know you're breaking the first commandment just by making something. I mean, 
Second commandment. He, he never makes right an image. I was looking at him. Okay, but he, never, he never makes mention of God after yeah. he told after he told Sakoth that uh, I'm, I'm gonna come back and get you after the Lord give me Zebedee and Zulu. Yeah. He never make any mention of God after that. God well, didn't come yeah. after he, out of his mouth. He says. I'm not going to be king. The Lord will rule over you. And, and then, but and then after he had that, to delegate, then he had nerves to delegate to the Lord that he yes, was going to rule over the people. And, right, and, right. And, and then Shiloh, he makes the ephod, and then it all and, yeah, goes And sideways. Shiloh was just where the tent of meeting was. I mean, that, that but they built in the... Well, the, in, ark was there. And the, the ark was there. But the ark was there. But the ark was not. The ark was commanded to be built, and it was part of... They, they had housed the commandments. Right. It was not It was not God. Yeah, but but yeah. Yes, this, yes. For all I know, this was on his mind. Let's have let's have an alternate site. Let's have yes. something else. But yeah, but it, then it, but all all this is is a symbol of his victory because here's the ephod that has all That's the gold turned out from to the Midianites. Yeah, yeah. But he had nobody. Yeah, yeah, he had absolutely. prepared nobody to hand it off to, and that is that to me seems to be the big issue. And the people weren't ready for him to be gone. And the thing about um, leaders, and uh, particularly in churches, the non-denominational comes to mind to where it would be so hard to, you'd have to keep yourself from worshiping the pastor because the pastor is the one that is setting the rules and the doctrine. So you never know when you're going out of bounds or when the church itself is, it's like there's no rails. The rails are fluid. And I think that was the thing about getting, and it reminds me of a friend of mine who got wealthy. He says, you know, Bill, the thing about being wealthy is nobody ever buys me lunch. And I ever would, when I went out with him, I'd, I'd buy him lunch, but, you know, I'd biggie size it if he really wanted it. But it was never much money. But he said that was one of the things. People never buy me lunch. Mm. I'm always buying they always them. expect him to they buy They become lunch. dependent on yeah. you. I think Gideon, he took care of him. He was in the zone for a long time. As his decline came, there was nobody following him. The people were dependent on him. And the spoils that they melted down, that was just kind of like, I, I think that he had the best intentions. That was just mm-hmm. a tribute. I think it is. Well, it just, well, 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 okay, look at, look, look, at it from this, look at it from this angle. When he came up through the ranks, he, did nobody hand it down to him? The Lord called on him. Yeah. The well, Lord called on him, so it, 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 was, it wasn't no tradition. It wasn't no tradition that that get handed down from from his perspective. So for him to be looking to hand it down to somebody, that that just you know, a lot of times my kids get in trouble, and I always go back to when I was their age, and I think of some of the dumb stuff that I did, and it just kind of reminds <laughs> me to kind of you know don't be all harsh because. I once did the same thing. Now, for him to, to him to feel as though that way, because nobody handed it down to him. Remember his dialogue with the Lord, just for the God to just get him to lead Please. the people. Oh man, it was a it was a, a one on one. It was a back match. and forth, a, a tennis match. Amen, amen. Right. Well, the, the the Bible tells us, as long as Gideon was alive, or it infers to us that as long as he was alive, 
they still somewhat followed the Lord, right? They well, did they said some, they had peace. But, yeah, yes. but they did so, They did use, I mean, the term does, because Israel prostituted themselves hoard, by worshiping yeah, it there, right, being right. the Ophrah. Uh, well, well hoard, no, I'm, I'm looking right, at, yeah, I mean, later that comes right. back. I mean, it's <laughs> right. mirrored again in verse 27. That's about, they're talking about the ephod. And then, yes, after he dies, they whore themselves with The, the reason I mention that, okay. I'm thinking he remained commander of their armies. Mm-hmm. He didn't just sit at home and do nothing, but he got paid something, I'm guessing, because he had money and he had wives, and you got to support the wives. Yeah, Bill. It's, it's true. Excellent. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is Man Up. Podcast number 232. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 232 and we are uh, kind of wrapping up Gideon here um a ton of different uh topics and that's the kind of thing about uh man up every uh we all come from different backgrounds and have different ways of of thinking about it um one thing that came uh up to me as i was uh reading the scripture um may uh, have been one of the effects. Good leaders tend to go wrong when they start believing their own press. And what I mean that by that is, I mean everybody knows the athlete that they're they're so awesome that they're just uh, uh, they're that they're put on a pedestal, um, and, and it's almost as if they they put them up so high that people enjoy seeing them fall all the way down. Um, and, and that's kind of what I w- was thinking as I uh, was doing the notes for this. And and with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, well, get back I, to uh, Professor. So what what I think is interesting is if you want to see, and there there is, so I'm going to give three companies. Yeah, I'll do three. Three companies that everybody will know that had huge leaders and basically, once that leader was gone, the company was never the same. There are multiple examples of this, but these are three that pretty much everybody is familiar with. Um, the first one is Sears. Once Sears got a capital investment firm involved with Lear that knew nothing about the business, it was toast. And it will probably not be around in 2022, is the stuff I'm seeing. General Electric. Mm. Jack Welch. Wow left and General Electric was never the same. Mm. And one I'm very familiar with, AIG. AIG, Hank Greenberg ran AIG for 40 something years. He started in the 60s, left around 2005, if memory serves me totally correct. And AIG has never, never, never been the same since Hank left. 
leaders have to, as Bill says, you don't know where you're at in the story. You have to always plan for succession. And it, you see this because Gideon didn't know the judges did, but in Gideon, we we get a emphasis on it because this the other ones blah 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 happens and then Israel falls to the Baals. This one, this story very specifically says in verse thirty three, no sooner had Gideon died mm-hmm. than Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. I mean they they I mean it's not like. Israel had rest, and then, you know, Gideon dies, and bam, there it is. You know, well, they immediately do it, because there was no sons. There was no well, planning. You know there was remember, no Remember how this. this story started, and this is kind of a little poignancy. It was Gideon who stood up to his father and said, yep. that, that altar to Baal is wrong. Mm. No, mm. no, none of his sons, we have even Amalek here, who I'm, I'm not sure we, we, who enters the stage, but I don't think he's a judge, but none of his sons of, of 70 he has yep. say, Dad, that ephod down there in Ophrah is really, people are worshiping it, and that's got to stop. And so there, there's a little sadness there. Um, he's, he's almost full circle where his father is was uh, in terms of just giving in to the you know, giving the crowd what they want. Eh, well, okay. <laughs> That's the uh, epitome of being lukewarm and not having the passion. And I know a fair amount about both Sears and about General Electric. Since you happen to bring them up, I uh, I worked uh, for Sears selling HVAC, <laughs> and I also had GE as a um, uh, as a client um, that I used to sell to, and I can tell you the difference. When Jack Welch was there, they did cross-training, and everybody believed in it, okay? When Jack Welch left, they did cross-training, but everybody was incompetent. (laughs) See, they didn't believe in it the way Jack Welch did. I mean, if that makes any sense. They made the training, but they got no buy-in. Exactly. That's exactly what they did. That is exactly They, They forgot the most important thing about training. What's in it for me? Well, but but that's that's the essence of being the leader. Your passion, what you stand for, will far, hopefully, will outlast you. But in this case of Yidian, it barely got him to the finish line. Well, it, it it's it's that it's the leader's job to develop the vision, and then ignite the passion. And if you can't do both of those, then you have a problem. Gideon was able to get the vision initially for his people to go and do it, and he could ignite the passion, but the passion died away, and he had no structure to build behind it on the back end. And I think that's where he really got into trouble, because then, since he had no structure to build behind it, and once again... Where are the priests? <laughs> because the priest should have been behind Gideon saying, okay, now that we've taken care of this, here's what we need to do. We need to establish the tabernacle. You guys need to do this. You need to start practicing the feast. You need to do... Because there's no indication that any of this is going on until we get to a little bit in Samuel. 
but then not really until the temple is established under Solomon. And so it was almost kind of like the priests were falling down on the job <laughs> of calling the people out. Michael Cropper, I saw you type in there. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, you, Bill, y'all have all been hanging on a practical message for men. You know, you can have, as, as Robert has said, you can have a life of great accomplishments. Uh, you can do all sorts of things. Um, you, can, you can be the greatest man in the world, lead a company, be a billionaire. All of that is fantastic, and Gideon was a great man. He did some tremendous things for God. But what's written on your epitaph and what people will remember you by will be the last part of your life. If you do something that, that's blurry, uh, and, and, and of course this comes to my mind as Bill Cosby, but there's a lot of them we can say that the last part, a year of the last part of your life, you live to be 85 or 90 years old, and in just a few months' time, you can distort the whole first part of your successful life. And I oh. think that's right. That's the practical message here, y'all saying. Absolutely. And, and we started from the very first of this, and, 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 and I feel so bad for Gideon. And I, what I want to remember and remind myself is that particular thing is carry yourself through to the end, right? Excellent. No. Earl. Well, um, as far as wrapping up, I, I always want to, uh, and I always push this, I always push prayer, and you got to keep in connection with the universe, God himself. And as long as Gideon did that, he was fine. But the minute we get away from connecting with the Lord, connecting with the word, we tend to we tend to go down a slippery slope. It, it, it never fails me. And as, as I look back into all the Bible stories, anybody who went up and they came down, that's because they got away from connecting with the Father, God it, Himself. It's yeah. that it's yeah. that daily exercise in the faith muscle. The faith muscle. It's the prayer. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's the prayers. You hit the, the nail study. on the head. Amen. It's worshiping. Yes. Amen. It's meditation. Amen. Scripture. It, it's all the things we talk about yeah, that you got to do. Amen. You know, and everybody talks about it. That's where you start every day. Every day. Yeah. Amen. And if you don't That's do that, Amen. then what you do after that doesn't really matter. Amen. And sometimes Amen. you don't feel like doing it. This is what you're saying. This is what's so important, right? What, guys? Sometimes you go home and you just want to crash in the bed, but you know in your heart today is the day I need to do it. Maybe tomorrow I can go crash in the bed, but there's sometimes when we know in our heart, God will put that gut feeling in Amen. you. When Amen. you need to do it. Well, and, and, and it's not about feeling up to it. Yes. It's about it's doing a, it regardless whether you feel up to it or not. It, it is a true discipline in yes. all that that entails, meaning do it every day. every day. We were talking earlier about taking so long, so many hours, Bill said, yeah. to form a habit. And I can't, I never can remember what the number is. 27. 27. 27 and, times. Yeah, you got to do it 27 times. And it's, it's one of those things, and that's consistently every day, by the way. You know, you've got to do it every day, whether you want to do it or not do it. Mm. I'll say this. If you're caught up on it, though, um, you can miss one day or two. <laughs> so oh, it depends on your motivation. It depends on your motivation. By the way, Bill, yeah, no Bill it, takes 30, it took 30 times for me to break a habit. Not oh, the really? 27, but the average one. <laughs> the the relative norm for that, starting that a habit is 27 it, times, it, it, right? But it, it took me 30 much times. Much shorter to break it than make okay. it. Yeah. You know, you can yeah. break it much quicker. Right. Yeah. Producer Steve Titch, a takeaway from you. Yeah. Um, 
Satan doesn't take Sabbaths. He doesn't take any days off. Uh, and, you know, we talk sometimes about bad thoughts think, sinking in when you're low. Satan also waits till you're right up high on top of that mountaintop, feeling great and maybe even feeling a bit in touch with the Lord. And then he might just settle on your shoulder and say, yeah, hey, Steve, we did a pretty good job on this. You did a pretty good job on this. Who, who, who yeah. you know, you're the one who climbed that mountain, weren't you? Steve's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And and that's right. And so yeah. and and I think this I, I've, I've kind of illustrated it here, but I think this is a problem men uh, face in particular. Uh, ego can be a dangerous thing. And it, in many ways, it drives us. It drives our leadership. It drives our ability to get things done. People look to us. But at the same time, it can be a tremendous liability if, as Earl says, we're not walking with the Lord. And we can easily forget that at, at the highest moments mm -hmm. sometimes, as, as easily as sometimes we say we, we miss the Lord at our lowest moments. We, we sometimes forget the Lord at, at our highest moments. And like I said, that's 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 when that's when you're vulnerable, and you know it starts. It's a small, you know, it starts little by little. Uh, yeah, and and we, we get the story of Gideon here, and a lot happens, but we see that he goes from from being, as we say, a, a man who's close to God, following God, obeying God, and then really uh, going his own way. And forgetting that connection, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just when things were going great. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, this has been a, a absolutely awesome uh, podcast. Um, I have just a little different take than the rest of the fellows, though. A um, couple of points that I wanted to uh, bring up. Um, recognize that as a man, you might be in your sweet spot now. You will be declining. You need to make pre preparations. You need to have discipline to stay with that maturity that you thought and the maturity to stay with what you thought was important for life back when life was important to you. And so you need to play it, play it to the end. And on behalf of our producer, Steve Oh, I apologize. I cut Bill off in the middle. Hey, I want to. I do want to plug one of the podcasts. Okay. If you and it, and it fits into our exercise, your faith muscle. Um, we are in the season of Advent, and our Sugarland students have put together devotionals that reflect the season of Advent, and they have been recorded and are released every day by a podcast. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. I know it's on Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. I listen to it on iHeartRadio. The podcast is called At First Light. And if at you first light. At First Light. Mm -hmm. And if you go, go go look at that wherever you get your podcast, you can find it. It is 10 minutes per day. Um, our student pastor introduces it. And then legendary, literally, Houston radio personality, Randy Haynes, who is a member of our church, actually reads the devotion. 
<laughs> and and everyone in this room knows who Randy is and goes, ooh. Well, anybody uh, that is familiar with Houston radio, major market radio, and, and has heard of Hudson and Harrigan as far as uh, country yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll, they'll know him. So, so. I, I would encourage you, a way to exercise your faith muscle this season of Advent, just a real quick way to get some devotions. And our students did a fantastic job of that. I apologize. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> And thanks so much for tuning in. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. On behalf of our producer, Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Earl Lloyd, my name is Bill Coxon. We want to thank all of our donors and supporters. Our podcast ministry just received a huge boost from Preach the Word Network TV. This Christian streaming platform has offered us a streaming slot for 26 one-half-hour podcasts. And we at Man Up need your support. It will be called No Church Answers. So, Won't you visit our Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men TV podcast on the GoFundMe.com and help us reach our funding goal? Your contributions are tax deductible, and we totally appreciate it. And we're on this No Church Answers tour, so check out our new YouTube channel, whether you you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Pray.com. If you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page, which is at or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out the Sugarland Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. Start Sunday at 9.45 a.m. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Well, local, so you'll go and participate and find a small group ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for discussions like this. And find one that is men only. If there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. Man up. <laughs> You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man. Created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up podcast.